There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, you ready for this? Susie Quattro. Honestly, you know, everybody knows Susie Quattro. But then doing a deep dive ahead of this, you just realise the impact that she's had on music and certainly for women in music, just an absolute powerhouse and a groundbreaker. And, uh, and we touch on on this uh, during the episode. If you've not seen the, the documentary Susie Q, go, go and watch it. Um, Susie does talk about it uh, on here and the people that are on there talking about how Susie was the the influence uh, on their careers. And it's 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 wonderful. Um, I can't recommend that enough. Um, I probably first stumbled across Susie as, uh, as Leather Tuscadero on Happy Days, and uh, sister of Pinky Tuscadero, Fonzie's girlfriend, and and I remember seeing Susie on on Happy Days as a kid, and thinking she was just this super super cool woman, this like amazing outfit uh, that was just rock and roll, and uh, and if you're standing on on TV next to the Fonz and you look more cool and you look more rock and roll, well I think you know. If you're cooler than the Fonz, you're doing something right, uh, and we talk about that. I, you know, I ask, I ask Susie how it was walking. You know, never have done acting before as such, and then you walk on the biggest TV show in the world at that point, and uh, and we have a lovely chat about that. I wish this conversation could have gone on um, longer, but uh, Susie's was absolutely stacked doing press today. But we get a good thirty-five minutes in, and we talk about some wonderful records. Um. If this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, hello, Um, you're late to the party, 470-odd episodes I think we're into now, Um, go check out the back catalogue when you finish this episode, because you've missed a lot, you've missed me talking to big rock and rollers like Tommy Lee and Motley Crue and the Foo Fighters, um, big rap stars like Yellow Wolf, Chuck D of Public Enemy, um... And yeah, you've indie stars. I've had them all on. Um, oh, do you know what? I'm not going to keep listing everybody I've had on because I always say the same ones because I completely forget who I've had on. But if you like rock and roll, if you like indie music, if you like actors, if you like DJs, if you like music producers, I've had pretty much all the big ones on. So go and have a good rummage around after this episode in the archives 
and you'll see all your favourite entertainers and you can hear me chatting to them about the records that have kind of really, really been important in them in their lives and uh, and we talk about them lives as well. If you'd also like to support the podcast, let me tell you how you can do that. You can just give us a little follow or a like, a love, a share, a retweet on social media. That's really kind if you can do that. Um, or I have a Patreon. And, uh, and with that Patreon, you it costs a dollar a month. So it works out about 20 pence a week. And for that, you get video episodes each week. Uh, you get access to hundreds of, of episodes that have never been released uh, to the general public. Uh, stacks and stacks of radio shows. Uh, and then you get to attend the, the online live show I do once a month where you can come along and be you know, amongst uh, other Patreons where you all come and bring your records and we talk to you all and we have a lovely natter. And, uh, and yeah, and that's all available uh, for $1 a month. And essentially with all of that, you're just helping support the podcast uh, and to keep those two free episodes coming every week. And you can find out about that and everything else you need to know at off the beat and not beaten beat and track podcast.com. A few thank yous quickly. Uh, big thanks to official sponsors of this podcast, Hotel Chocolat. Uh, you know all about them, you know where they can get their, where to get their delicious chocolate. They're on every high street. But I've said this before and I'll say it again the chocolate's amazing, of course, it is. That's a given but their alcohol range is amazing. If you like your gins and you like your vodkas, then there's all of that. Uh, but I always like to tell you about the creamy chocolate shots because oh, it's delicious. Mint chocolate, orange chocolate, salted caramel, um, espresso martini. Go get stuck in. They're delicious. Uh, and yeah, lovely Christmas present as well. Quite a festive little thing, isn't it? A creamy shot. Right, so they're official sponsors of the Off The Beaten Track podcast, so thank you. Uh, big thanks to the Blue Murder Club team. Um, they're an amazing true crime podcast, and they also produce this here podcast. So big thanks to them. Go give the Blue Murder Club uh, a follow on the socials. Go check out their podcast. Uh, and I'd like to thank Scroobius Pip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network, which Off The Beaten Track is proud to be part of. Right, I'm running out of breath. I've just done that without taking a breath. So I'm going to take a breath now and say, please enjoy Off The Beat and Track podcast with the delightful Susie Quattro. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Okay, we are recording. I'm joined today by Susie Quattro. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. A little bit jet lagged, but not too bad. <laughs> oh, well, it's good to see you grounded and you're back in your home in Essex. So I feel like I'm talking to one of my own. I'm loving it. Big, <laughs> big wall of gold discs behind you there. It looks, uh, it looks like a beautiful place. Right. I'm aware that uh, you've got a, a stacked day today. So I'm going uh, to jump straight in. And uh, when I ask guests, to, to tell me their favourite song with uh, sorry their song with the greatest ever intro nobody has ever chose this and when I first come up with the concept for this podcast that track was instantly the one that I thought everybody was going to choose and I've done 470 of these Susie and you're the first person to choose Hard Day's Night Hard Day's Night well you know why it's um, and you've, you'll find it hard to think of many of this 
In fact, there might be one. It might be one of only five. It's one chord intro. Yeah. And you know the song. How can that happen? Yeah. It's one chord. Very, very, very clever. Do you know what chord it is? Because there's lots of kind of queries about what that chord is. It sounds like a ninth to me. Right. Right. And what I'm interested in is we've seen music sort of evolve. And I want to go back to the sort of the the, the 60s and the early 70s, where it it feels like it was very much how it is now insofar as with the way that Spotify works and things like the way that people are getting their music now, you're flooded with with music. So you've got to hook up straight away. And throughout the sort of the, the 70s, things got a little bit more expansive and psychedelia and, and lots of kind of prog rock and all of that, where it was far less about the pop song. But I want to ask you, so when you're going back to them early days with like Mickey Most and stuff like that, how much pressure was there when, when making music to just get that hook right from the beginning, pull them in? I think hooks were always important in, in music. Um, maybe the shape of the hooks have changed. Yeah. You know, but uh, I was always aware of it. I mean, I grew up in in Detroit. And Motown was my god, and so yeah, th- there was. At, yeah, you're right. In the in the early days, it was very much hook, right? A hook, and it's good when you have a hook and a hook. Yeah, things like um, I'll, I'll cite one of my own. Can the can? A lot of people wouldn't realize this. Yes, yeah, so I make a stand for your man, honey. Try to can the can. Put it down. The piano part. Yeah. So I actually said to Mike, his first mix on that, I said, where's the piano part? He said, what What do you mean? I said, it's a hook. And it became a hook. It's a hook and a hook. Yeah. So, yeah, it's when you're writing, you're always aware of what's, well, I'm I'm a songwriter. So what's what should be the hook and do I have to repeat it? And it is important. That's what makes it commercial. Absolutely. It hooks you in. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to take you back and for track two. I'm going to ask you to tell me uh, the first song that you remember hearing, Susie, that had an emotional impact on you. And I know that this song has stuck with you uh, to this day because am, am I right in saying that Kesara Sara was a, a, a track that, that your mum would sing to you as a, as a little one? Yeah, she. It, it meant something to me, and I still sing it now. When you're a little girl, then you're asking her mom, and she's telling you what will be, will be. It sort of sticks with you. And even now, my mom's been gone a long time, but even now, I, I'll tear up if I think about it. I'll walk along the street and sing that to myself. You know, what a great song. It's a what will be, song. be? How, what, what better way can you say it to a child? Yeah, what will be, will be. Yeah. You can't argue with that. And my mother was... Not educated, but very wise, wise beyond her years. Tell me. And the one person I could never fool. <laughs> <laughs> so, you tell me about um, growing up. I, 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 I'm sure growing up was, was, I'm right in saying Detroit, wasn't it? And and, and tell me about those that, that those early memories of, of, of growing up at home, because it was, it was a large family, wasn't it? Yeah, five kids, um, and... My mother took in over the years nine different orphans as well. So it's a, a full house. We had a full house all the time. Uh, lived in a neighborhood full of different nationalities, Italian, German, Polish, you know, all in the And they all, they all had large families. So it was kind of just that 
neighborhood uh never locked our doors lived at each other's houses you know um great a great neighborhood to grow up in I, I go back there whenever I'm to try to go back again and I just relive the memories. I had an idyllic childhood, really idyllic, if if crowded. <laughs> well, with them crowds, did you feel that, was there that constant thing between you all to, to get heard and like, you know, who shouts the loudest gets heard? Like, what, how, you know, how was that? That was definitely evident and we're a loud, opinionated family. Um, I felt the need to find my voice. I felt the need to separate myself from the family as just one of the family yeah i wanted to be something different than one of the family i wanted to be part of the family sure but i didn't want that to define me so i found my voice very young yeah. and i never let anybody take it away and i still don't now and how musical was it at home huge my dad was a musician all his life all five of his kids we play i would say minimum three instruments each. It's not a big deal when you say I play, you know, everybody does it. We all sing, we all play. Um, it's a talented family. Uh, I myself am schooled in classical piano and percussion. So I read, write, and play both those things. And I've set off on bass and I play guitar yeah. and I can dance and I do comedy and I've been a DJ. It's, it's like I do everything in this business that I've been allowed to do. I want to ask you something on that before we move on to the next track. And and I want to know a little bit about confidence and and where that comes from. And and, and because over the years you've played to thousands and thousands and thousands of people on some of the biggest stages, you know, that exist. And not just that. Um you've you've gone on to you've you then thought, oh, do you know what? Let's let's try acting. And you've gone on to the biggest show in the States. And like, tell me, just to touch on that that part of it, because imposter syndrome always fascinates me about confidence and people. Tell me a little bit about getting the gig for Happy Days and your first down set, because everybody knew that you was you was you know a successful singer. But to then go, I'm gonna do some acting. But I tell you what, I'm gonna do it on the biggest possible stage at that point. <laughs> like, did you ha ever have that imposter syndrome or, you know, did, have you always just had this huge confidence in your abilities and, and you know, what will be will be, I guess? Um, I do believe in myself that I've always had, but it doesn't mean that I take it for granted that I'm going to be good, that I have to work towards. You earn that. Um, I knew I was an entertainer from seven whenever we did family shows and, I everybody would get up and do their bit and maybe I do a dance. Maybe I do a sketch. Maybe I do a song. Maybe I play my bangles, whatever I did. I noticed the room stopped and watched. So in my little brain, I thought, Oh, I can hold an audience. Um, but as far as stretching out goes, I, I knew I could act from very young. I just knew I could do it. And when that part came up, I took it, took the chance. But doesn't mean I wasn't nervous before I walked out in front of the studio audience to act on my first program. I, I was nervous, but I used the same thing that I use when I perform my songs and stuff. You you tap into it. I became the character. Yeah. I became the character. Yeah. It was good. Okay. Well, let's stay in the formative years, Susie. And I'm going to ask you, um, you've, you've picked an incredible record for uh, the song that reminds you of school and just tell me tell me a little bit about 
Well, first of all, Run Around Sue, which is a perfect record. And uh, and tell me a little bit about your time at school. Uh, I was in Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary school all that long I left as early as I could my dad let me I was on the road um this is we all have one of these songs in our life a lot of people use double gate drivers this song what I'm going to tell you where the one where you can't sit on your seat and you're up you know that double gate drive captures that for some reason um it's a party song this was the one when it came on I just lost my brain and I was up there ponying with the best of them um Love the song. I've met Dion many times. I've interviewed him for radio. He's uh, He's got this. I, in fact, I told him when I interviewed him, there were a lot of people on, um, it was called the Dick Clark Show. And I said, but whenever you came on, Dion, you had that little bit extra. There was something behind the song. There was something. He had a, a depth. And he quite liked it that I said that, but he didn't. He didn't didn't disagree. Uh, he's he's one of the good ones, Dion. And he the way he rolls it like a a trumpet player. He's got that that swing about him, you know. I just love him. So this is one of my favorite songs. Always has been. Wonderful. Did you? Was there ever any question at school what you wanted to be? I discovered Elvis Presley at five and a half, watching him on TV. And at five and a half years old, I looked at the TV and I said, I'm going to do that. That's the truth. Don't ask me why. Uh, And that stayed with me. Took all my piano lessons and all that. Then we saw the Beatles on TV, 64. Same. It was on the Ed Sullivan show, both of them. And we decided on a phone call with our friends to start an all-girl band. Everybody took an instrument and I was given the bass. Thank goodness. It became my favorite instrument. Uh, did I ever have any doubt? I mean, that's 14, so that's pretty young. Mm. I always knew I wanted to be in the business as such, whether it was going to be a comedian, an actress. I didn't care. I wanted to be in the entertainment profession. So that was always in my, sar- in my heart and soul. 
You know, when, when, when you say, what did God put me on the earth for? He put me on the earth to entertain, I think. Was you, was you aware of them, you know, in, in the earlier days when, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd put that bass over your, sh- you know, over your shoulders and, and you'd start playing, making rock and roll music, that you was, you know, was you aware, obviously you was aware that you was a woman, but was you aware that there wasn't women at that point doing that? Did you, was you aware of the impact that what you was doing was having then? I didn't realise what I was doing, which is refreshing in a way. I didn't have an agenda. I wasn't out trying to prove anything. All I was doing was being me. Yeah. And I was different. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't do it as, oh, I'm going to do a show. You, No, not in my head. I didn't realize what I did until 2019. And I went to the premiere of my documentary, Susie Q, at the Regent Theater in London. I wanted to see it. With an or with the audience in a big screen, so I was only due up at the end for Q and A, and I snuck in and stood at the side. And a couple people saw me, and I went, shh, shh, shh. you know, I wanted to, I wanted because you really can judge something when you hear the audience reaction. And I, so I'm watching, and woman after woman after woman, Debbie Harry, Chrissy Hind, Joan Jett, Kathy Valentine. Uh, Cherie Curry, um, KT Tunstall, who I have an album coming out with next year. On they came, one after the other. And they all said, paraphrasing, none of them would have done what they did, not even considered it, had they not known, had they not seen me do it. So I did change the game, but I didn't know I was doing it. And it made me cry. It humbled me. And it made me cry. And I had to get myself together and then get up and do the Q&A. And the next day, I called my friend Cherie, the lead singer of The Runaways. She's become a good friend. And I told her that story. And then I said the amazing words. I said, I just realized something, Cherie. And she said, what? So, you know, she's in California. I'm here in England. I said, by me doing what I did, I gave permission to women all over the world to be different and there was this transatlantic pause. And then she said, and you just got that? <laughs> <laughs> it is 2019. Is that, a, that kind of explains everything, doesn't it? And really, I did just get it. Yeah, It made me cry. So I guess I'll take the fact that I was the first, not the first one musician, but the first one to have worldwide success, you know, with a guy's band playing rock roll that never happened before. So, yes, I'll take that to my grave, and I'll happily take that to my grave. I accept. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. And for listeners of this podcast that haven't seen Susie Q, go check it out. It's a wonderful, wonderful documentary. Um, Okay, we're going to uh, talk about the first record you remember buying. Bobby Darin, right? My da- You know, it's so funny. You, you never do forget the first record. My dad gave, I told my dad I wanted to go buy a record. And he gave me a dollar. And I gave him change. Which <laughs> is amazing. But that song was a song that I, I, I had one of my 15 years with, um, on BBC Radio 2. I had uh, Quattrophonic and I did themed theme shows. And one, one of the themes, frequent theme, was my dad's songbook. And I would play 
the original versions of these songs from my dad's era that I grew up with. And then I would compare them to the pop version, if you like. People would find the song, especially in the 50s, all the doo-wop, they, they really, you know, raided the old songs. And this was one of them. My dad used to play this all the time. And then Bobby Darren did it. So what what a great version. I love Bobby Darren anyway. Yeah. yeah. Can you remember where you bought it? Yeah, it's a local Woolworths. Nice, nice. I think it cost about 75 cents because I know I gave him change. <laughs> right, Susie, we're going clubbing, and I'm going uh, to ask you to tell me the song that soundtrack your years clubbing. And so you're in Detroit, so I can't imagine that you was never going to be far from, from Motown. So tell me, about, tell me about Heard It Through the Grapevine. I mean, that's got one of the greatest intros, by the way. I'm just going to say that. Uh, that's another one as soon as you hear it. But my thing about uh, Hard Day's Night was it's one chord. Yeah. That, that's what's amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. But this had, you're there. Don't, 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 don't. Jameson on the bass. Oh, God, on that floor. I used to go on that floor and I would rip it up. I would rip it up. I'm actually a very, very good dancer. And people don't know that till they see me on the dance floor. That's no surprise, Susie. You tick all the boxes. <laughs> um, just one, one of the great tracks of all time. And in fact, I had played in 1966, I believe, at a club in New York called The Eighth World. And I, it was in The Pleasure Seekers. And we were supporting Gladys Knight and the Pips. Wow. Who did the original version of yeah. that. Wow. But Marvin Gaye's, you know, he's Mr. Cool, isn't he? Yeah. But, I mean. Let, let, he slides He slides over a song. <laughs> he does. It, it's, it's one of the most perfect records ever made. Uh, great it is. Mind. I agree. But, to every detail. The bass, the drums, the singing, every every little detail. It's just the coolest record just, just tell me a little bit about, you know, when, when you get that nod that you're going to be on the same bill as Gladys Knight. You know, when, when you're you know, when you're breaking through as an artist and you know that you're going to be sharing the stage with with, with with Gladys Knight. I mean, how does that feel? It feels like the most amazing opportunity to watch and learn yeah. from somebody who's made it. Yeah, that's how I always treated it. it was school for me. Mm. I'd sit on the side of the stage and I'd watch. And you take it all in, you know. They were great. She was yeah. great. What a great voice. What an experience. Absolutely. So, I mean, I just before we get on to the next track, I want to ask you uh, something about, um, you, you've mentioned, you know, performing on stage, you've mentioned a few TV shows. And and obviously, you know, living in, in the UK for so long, um, you're, you're very aware of of most of us in the UK's relationship with, with Top of the Pops. Uh, and, and what a, an absolute staple of our, our weekly viewing that was. And whenever I get guests on here that have appeared on on Top of the Pops, I want to know how that experience was for them. Was that everything they expected it to be? You know, had you done had you done shows in the states before you'd done Top of the Pops, or was Top of the Pops the first big music show? No, I'd done some music shows, but we didn't have any hits in the Pleasure Seekers, so. I'd done some shows, yeah, but um, I knew how important Top of the Pops was. I remember going on there. Mickey most happened to be away when I was doing my first, when it was um, a, a tip tip for the top 
what, what was it? Um, the, the new release tip, and yeah. I was on Amplify. And I remember Mickey calling me from the states, and he said, "Now you're going to go on top of the pops, Jamal." And I said, "Yes." And he said, "I want a performance." And I gave him. <laughs> I mean, I went nuts. You're you're just aware that you're on TV. I mean, the bad thing they used to do was they had the monitors within your eyesight. They were taped to the ceilings, and I thought that was a bad idea because you're you're drawn to look at you. Yeah, you know. So and Mickey warned me. So I caught myself doing a couple. Of I said, "Don't do it." But I do remember being conscious of the fact that this was my shot. And I better indeed pull out all the stops, and I did. Seize that opportunity. Absolutely. I, I made it count. Wonderful. I'm going to take you home, and uh, and I'm going to ask you for a favourite song uh, from your home country. And and I know from Detroit it's got to be a, another Motown tune. And just tell me about, well, we, we spoke about Marvin Gaye, we spoke about Gladys Knight, and you know what incredible vocalists they are but then there's Smokey Robinson and there's Tracks of My Tears just just tell me a little bit about that record some songs just talking about tracks they stop you dead in your tracks um this is one of those just the the uh, construction of the song the lyrics his wonderful, wonderful, almost sweet, plaintive voice. And you know what's funny about this one is this was one of the ones that we nearly did on my Uncovered EP, which is out right now. And this one we started to record, and we all said it, not for me. Yeah. Not for me. And I know immediately if a song's for me or not. This was, I wasn't going to be able to stamp Susie on this I wouldn't I couldn't Susie-fy it yeah I think I think it's too much him but it is like I said a beautifully constructed song by a wonderful writer yeah. and um it touches your heart this one yeah and it's important that you say writer because you know he wrote them songs as well didn't he he was such such a talent um I mean gr growing up in Detroit he's he's Motown you know for, for lovers of music can you escape it? Is it everywhere? You don't want to escape it. Yeah. Even even the white rock and roll bands tip their cap to Motown. Yeah. We all took something from it. It was, I mean, I'm a bass player. Jameson was my hero. Yeah. You, you won't find, and I've said this on my radio shows before, the 60s Motown records. You won't find anywhere a better bass and drum sound. You won't find it. There's a synergy there between the two of them. Yeah. Jameson is wonderful. Uh, the only other bass and drum combo that comes close to being as good as, very close, is Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. That works. Yeah. I mean, the bass and the drums on Motown, they were in each other's, you know, Minds, yeah. just great stuff. But no, you don't want to escape it. Motown is, I'm a Motown freak. I can still get up and do all the Temptations dance routines. <laughs> yeah. Get me at a party, give me a glass of wine, put them on, and I'm up. <laughs> Love it. Love yeah. it. I mean, the baseline to Papa was a rolling stone. I mean, oh, that's special. 
Um, and you, you, you touched on Fleetwood Mac there, and, and we're recording this on the on the first of December, so it, it, it would be it would be strange not to acknowledge and and, and rest in peace, Christine McVie. Uh, what a terrible, what a shock! Oh, no one saw that coming. That was no one saw that coming. No, yeah. what a shock! She was excellent. You know what a talent. So rest in peace. You know, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Right, this is uh, this is the last track, Susie, uh, and I ask. I ask guests to uh, recommend uh, a song they think the listeners of this podcast may not know. Uh, and I didn't know this track either. So tell me about Dory Previn. Which track did I choose? Because I had so many. Lady with a Braid. Okay. Mickey Most came to me in my lonely year before I made it. And he said, here's an album here I want you to hear. Uh, Dory Previn, Mythical Kings and Iguanas. It will change your life. And it's like, and it did. There is not a wasted syllable. Every word she says means something. And you find yourself, you're drawn in like a hypnotist. It's not my usual kind of music, but what a lyricist. She was married to Andre Previn, of course. She's passed now. Um, I would recommend that album to anybody, but this particular one really speaks to me. Susie, we put together a, a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast with all your song choices on there. And obviously there'll be some some Susie on there as well. And to quote you, we will Susie-fy the, the, the playlist and put some of uh, <laughs> of, of your your tunes on there. Um, Susie, you've done everything. What's, what's left on the bucket list? What's what? What's left on your bucket list? Surely you've done everything there. I don't set myself goals in case I reach them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that's sneaky. Uh, I just want to keep creating. You know, I've just released my sixth book this year. Yeah. Um, I've done 15 years on the radio. I've done the West End. I've written a musical. Um, I've done lots of acting on TV. Uh, this The next coming is a TV series of my life, um, which I've been working with the script writer for quite a while now. So that's going to be coming next. I'm working. I love saying this because it's pretentious. It sounds pretentious. I'm now working on my second novel. I am. Um, <laughs> I love it. I am. I'm Dr. Quattro. What can be better? Um, I am. I got the KT uh, Quattro Tunstall album coming out next spring. Can, can you uh, talk about that at all? It's. I don't know how this happened. Neither of us do. We connected. We started to write. We formed a great deep friendship. And we've made the most magical, surprising album. Surprising how we blend. My husband pointed out, he said, your voices. Like, who would have guessed yeah. that these two would just do? It's like a marriage, you know. So we're both really looking forward to just a great album. I'm working on film music with my son. I've done two albums with them. We're now, as soon as the KT1 comes out, we'll start writing for my next album. Um, we're working with other bands. We have a production company. I'm just busy, busy, busy. I love what I do, you know. If I have three words. This is me. I'm an entertainer, I'm a creator, and I'm a communicator. And if I cannot do those three things, shoot me. <laughs> 
<laughs> what a perfect place to to finish up the, and the interview. <laughs> and then you hear bang. <laughs> Susie, honestly, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you today and 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 hear your stories uh, about some fantastic records and. Have a lovely Christmas and, and I wish you all the best uh, with the new records and, and everything else that, that you're seeing. Thank you very him. much. Make sure you play a track from Uncovered. You've got a large list to choose from. Perfect. Which one? Tell me which one. Oh, gosh. Well, Band Moon Rising is excellent. They're all excellent. But my spiritual favorite is Dock of the Bay. Right. Perfect. All right. We'll go for that. Dock of okay. the Bay. Lovely. Susie, thank you so much. Have a thank lovely you so day. Much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm still buzzing. I just had a chat with Susie Quattro. Um, honestly, go watch Susie Q because it's amazing and you realise the impact and what she's done. Um, oh, wonderful. I, I could have chatted for hours, but uh, time was tight. But um, I'll grab what I can. And, uh, and I hope you had as much joy listening to uh, to Susie chatting about records as as what I did asking her about them. Um, thanks ever so much for listening uh, and supporting this podcast. We're right at the end of the year now, and I can't thank you enough for, for supporting and getting behind this podcast. We're, we're three years in now. We're over 480 episodes now, and and that's down to the fact that there's an audience, and that audience is you, and, and you have been so kind and supportive and really got behind us from day one and uh and i love all the little messages i love the fact that you know so many of you have, have, have come over to to patreon and chipped in that dollar a month to to get access to extra stuff and to support the podcast and just a huge thanks to uh everybody's support uh this year so um much love and uh, i'll be back next time in the meantime um have a lovely christmas have a happy new year love you lots see you soon bye bye